This is the Silver City Church Podcast. Our prayer is you are edified by this content and that it refines your life in Christ. Visit us at silvercityky.com. From there, you can connect with us on social media, view our location and service time, and download our mobile app to stay all the more connected with us. If this content has been beneficial to you, please share it and give this show a high rating so more may hear the gospel of Christ. May you see God's will be done and kingdom come in your life. As we come to our sermon this morning, we got a couple words for you to listen to for your sheet. What do we got? Tulian, what are they? Dark and, light. Dark and light. That's easy, right? Thank you, brother. All right. So as we come to our second week of 1 John, we come to our first kind of implicit question of the self-examination quiz or test that 1 John is. So that's as we begin this journey... I want to echo the sentiment of Pastor Apostle John from last week, since we've had some that are out and we have fresh faces this morning. This is what 1 John 1 through 4 was all about last week. This is me as a pastor echoing what John as a pastor wrote. I want to see your joy complete. That's my joy, that you all would be joyful, unhindered, bold, zealous in fellowship with God. And that the world that we live in would see this, and it would actually shut it out. They'd see this fellowship that we have with God and shudder at it. That you would would be joyfully reconciled unto God, walking with Him in the cool of the day, in the garden of your life, rooted and grounded by the true tree of life, Jesus Christ. Amen? That is my desire for you. So I stated last week that each week I would draw out the question or questions, some of these have questions plural, of the self-test of 1 John so that you can ask yourself and assess where you stand. And the great thing about the questions in 1 John is there's an answer key. Man, I always loved having tests at school and they gave me the, the answers the day before. Right? We've got the answer key in front of us. We aren't left guessing if we fail them. So it might be slightly confusing. I'm sorry. This isn't conciseness. But it might be slightly confusing that the first question I want to ask you this morning doesn't have anything to do with our text. Or maybe it does if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Question. This is a bonus question. You ready? Do you like Star Wars? Okay. I hear a little enthusiasm this morning. I hear some that are going like, oh no, this is like a secret sensitive church with a sermon series. They're going to, like Rob's going to get up dressed like Darth Vader here in a minute. Right? Even like Star Wars. There are very few in storytelling history stories like Star Wars. But yet again, the story of Star Wars is, is honestly as old as man. And it causes a lot of division and strife. It has this mythology and this, this created universe. So I'll give you my answer. Do I like Star Wars? Sort of. I think it's wonderful in the providence of God that around Christmas time, Atlas, my son, received a sticker book of Star Wars stuff. And he would always come up to me and, and say, who, who's this guy? Who, who him? That's what he was like. Who him? What, he, is he bad? He good? 
And I didn't know a whole lot of them, but I didn't know some of them. I like the original trilogy. It's, it's pretty great. We've, we've watched it recently as a family. And whatever the case may be for you, if you like it or not, I promise this has to do with the sermon. Because in Star Wars, the original trilogy at least, there's this symbolism that is universal for all of mankind. And these archetypal patterns that we all recognize that are ingrained and built within us. Symbols and patterns of light, dark, good, and bad. See, it caters to these eternal truths within all of us that, well, if we get them wrong, we end up in left field or in a galaxy far, far away from the Bible. So even if you don't know anything about Star Wars, even it and the truths it has under its surface are baked into our society. You know these, right? The dark side. The Jedi. The Force, right? We know these references. So today, as you will see, I think we will have a Holy Spirit-inspired space scroll, you know, episode 4. This will be episode 1 John 5, 1, 5 through 7 this morning in big yellow letters in your mind's eye, I pray, that we will see the darkness and we will see it because of the light. So this morning, would you please turn into your Bible, turn into God's Word to 1 John 1, and we will be in verses 5 through 7 this morning. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. Hear the living word of God. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Thus says the living Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word that You have spoken, that You are there and You are not silent. I pray that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that You would soften our hearts and guide us along by the same Holy Spirit that breathes we seek to examine and build our lives upon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verses 5 First John 1, act as a bridge between the prologue of the first initial four verses and the verses that kind of link the next chunk of 1 John together, which flow from 1 John 1, 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. Verses 5 through 7, our text this morning, they carry forward some of those initial themes and even, even characters or, or players, so to speak, of the first four verses. And yet they build upon them with various themes and even more symbolism that will be repeated throughout this self-examination of 1 John. So here's a list. Let's, let's list these out. Major themes and symbols real quick. Here's your Venn diagram. Okay, We've got light and darkness, fellowship, walk, truth, sin, cleanse. I mean, these, these two verses here of 1 John 1, 5 through 7 are just packed with action. And thought. Each of these, again, will be repeated throughout the five chapters of 1 John and expounded upon or talked about from a different angle. So this morning, we get to our first true question found in the text. Again, these questions that we are asking ourselves, they come straight from the text with many of them being formulated with the if-then clauses, right? Some of them are kind of underneath that we have to think about and dig out, but many of them are right on the surface and they're displayed in these if-then clauses scattered throughout 1 John. 
Question one that we'll be thinking about today. Do you say you have fellowship with God while you walk in darkness? Do you claim to have fellowship with God while you walk in darkness? Now, this entire sermon series is not focused on giving the correct answer as quickly as you can. This isn't pop quiz Jeopardy style where you've got to be the first one to buzz in or you lose your points. This is more of like an essay. First John is more of like an essay test at the end of the semester that we need to think about the prompt, that we slow down, we have time to think. Thus, we do ask and we have asked the whole think about this question and give us the correct answer within ourselves and that correct answer is supplied from the text. So verse 5, in the prologue John began by announcing to his audience a message. He comes as an angelos, and messenger, what he and his fellow apostles had seen and heard and touched the eternal Life in Christ that brings God and man back together, this reconciliation, this, this action-packed message, this action message is defined by John as quinonia or fellowship, God and man and man and man reconciled and restored, emulating the loving relationship God has within himself in the persons of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is the message. So here in verse 5, John expands that announcement, proclaiming the same message, but in a different way. Right? He proclaims the same message, but in a different way. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. Right? Everything in verses 1 through 4, that's what he's saying. Here's the message restated. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness not at all. What a message, and what a message we need that is so timely and timeless for today. What a message. We have these eternal themes right before our eyes, right in this succinct little verse. Darkness, light, light, darkness. Now think about this. Every person on earth, whether believer or non-believer like they understand these symbols. They're baked into the cake of humanity, so to speak. Light is good. Dark is bad. Think about Star Wars again here, right? This is how it comes together. Luke and Leia, especially, they always show up wearing what? White. They always show up wearing white. And white's associated with light, right? Good, pure. They're, they're the good guys. What's Darth Vader and the, the Empire always dressed in black or gray and then the stormtroopers those guys that can't shoot for nothing <laughs> they show up wearing all white but with black eyes and mouthpieces as if to say that they are kind of tricking you they are kind of covering up symbolizing that they are deceiving you that they are light George Lucas didn't come up with this stuff on his own George Lucas who denies God who is yet made in his image he has these eternal truths imprinted upon him just as we do. And it's not in a galaxy far, far away. It's in a Bible right, right, near, near, right here. Right? See, this message of fellowship, the message of God taking on flesh to reconcile God and man, 
the message of true joy completed is a message of light and darkness. It is a message as old as creation itself because at creation in Genesis 1, we have light and darkness separated, distinct from one another, unmixed as if to teach us something about both. The message is this, that as we come to verse 5, it's restated and that there are immediately three parties involved that we need to look at, we need to investigate as part of this message of God is light and no darkness is in him whatsoever. Three parties, and here they are in the text this morning in verses 5 through 7. We, him, and you. Or if you're from around these parts, it is a Greek plural, so it would be y'all. Right? We, him, and y'all. Right? Throughout verses 5 through 7, there's a constant reference to these parties. Here, here they are. You can kind of skim along with me. This is it. We have heard, if we say, we have, while we walk, we lie, we walk, we have, cleanses us. The us being a part of that plural there. Right? From him, in him, with him, he is his son. And then proclaim to you. Oh, well, hold on, Pastor. You said you, you is only mentioned once. You th- said it was all over the place. Correct. It is only mentioned one time. You are correct. But notice that the message we proclaim to you or proclaim to y'all ends up being a part of the us. It's bringing into that party. Again, calling the listener to see if he or she is a part of that fellowship of the church represented here by John and his apostolic message given that the church is founded upon the message of the prophets and apostles, Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that part of 1 John's purpose is John is combating false teaching. So you've got these false teachers that are saying, don't listen to John and those guys. Listen to us. Oh, you, you can actually just make some sort of profession of faith and you don't have to change the way you live. Does that sound familiar? That's one of the first things that John is combating with what he says here. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. See, being in true fellowship with God's redeemed people is only possible if there is true joyful fellowship between the individual and God, reflecting on fellowship with man and the church and fellowship between God and the individual, it can't be separated, guys. It can't be separated. They're two sides of the same coin. They go together. A heads and a tails makes that currency. So we understand who the we, you, us, y'all, are, is in the passage this morning. The Apostle John early believers, and anyone who's a true believer, follower of Christ, receiving this. But who him, his, in this? Linking us back to verses 1 through 4, the him, H-I-M, is shown to be God himself, specifically God the Father, given in verse 3. We are called to have fellowship with the Father and with his Son. So God, here in verses 5 through 7 of 1 John, 
chapter 1 is described as being light, free from darkness. That's the hymn. This attestation is not just in 1 John. It is all over Scripture, and it's right here if we think about it in James chapter 117. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's also in the Old Testament. Psalm 104, 1 through 2 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. You see, John is not merely laying down that the Father is light, though, and his Son is like a byproduct, something that comes after him, blood sucked on at the end of verse 7. No, no, no. John is calling us to remember something. John is calling us to remember his gospel account where he records the I am sayings of Jesus. The I am sayings of Jesus. What is mind-boggling is, if you do not know, I am was the revealed name of God to Moses at the burning bush in the desert. And in the gospel, Jesus is using this title in various ways, meaning he is bold-faced claiming to be fully equal with God the Father. See, in short, Jesus is the Pharisees understood it and wanted to stone him, but we have hardened hearts in our society that need some sort of proof when he has said it right there in front of us. Hear this I am saying of Christ in John, the Gospel of John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That sounds identical to what we've just read this morning. In 1 John 1, 5-7, John is focusing on the Godhead as light. And while he may be drawing specific attention to the Father, he wants us, he wants you to not forget that the Son is as much God as the Father described in the same way. Speaking of description... This is one of the few places in Scripture where God is directly described. God is light. Not God is like light. He's somewhat a light. He is light. Later on in this same book in 1 John 4, uh, John will tell us that God is love. And John, again, he likes to tell us exactly who God is in the gospel according to John the woman at the well, that God is spirit. So what does God is light mean? We so often hear these universal truths and these themes and we just gloss over them and we need not do that. We need to slow down and think about what's in front of us. What does God is light mean? That he is physically extremely bright? You may think, well, of course not. No, actually, that's, that is a connotation of Scripture. He is physically bright. Speaking of both the Father and the Son, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.16, To him, immortality, who dwells in 
unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. John also describes the risen Jesus reigning in heaven in Revelation 1.16 is this. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a like the sun shining in full strength. Go outside today after we get done and look straight at the sun overhead. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Right. This physically bright. Furthermore, think of all the Old Testament appearances of God when he shows up, I don't know, like in a burning bush emitting light or in a, a, a cloud, a pillar of fire by night giving light, producing light. So God is physically bright with no darkness. No darkness. Does that mean the light emanating from these light bulbs in the chandelier, that that's God? No, of course not. While God is physically bright, this pure brightness, it represents something. We have lost the understanding that we are walking symbols as human beings. We are walking images of God. And God has spoken this world and it's full of symbolism. We want literal woodenness when we need to recover symbolism. See this. God represents, this light represents something. And what is it? God's glory. God's glory. His utter transcendence. His unstainedness, if you would like to say it that way. His purity without darkness. God, as the source of light, given that light is the first thing that he creates in Genesis 1, which reflects God's first creative act as him revealing himself to and in his creation in this symbolic way. Light, darkness, separated, unmixed. Light as the glory of God. This light as the glory of God gives way to us understanding light and darkness representing dual eternal truths that cannot be separated from one another. And even with life and light, I'm sorry, with light, there's an eternal, eternal truth bound up within it that cannot be separated. And is this life and truth, life and truth, the physical and the moral creation and purpose. God as the source of all life and light and this life and light symbolically separated from the darkness in God's first act in Genesis 1. It displays God telling us something with the act of creation. He is light. He is true, unmixed with darkness, which goes on to be used as an opposite of God throughout Scripture. This link of light with life and truth and creation is abundant in Scripture. So we see Jesus as true life. John 1, the gospel according to John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, there's creation, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Creation language. And with Him was not made. In Him, the Word was life. And the life was what? The light of men. Psalm 56, 13. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of 
life. There are many more of these. You can see these in Job and, and Psalms in particular. So God is light. God is light communicates. He is glorious. He is splendid and radiating true life, existence, true eternal life, unending life, which we said last week was what? Fellowship. Fellowship. But light here also speaks to us the representation of truth, factual, reality, the real deal, not false, the only one, genuine, true life. In John 18, just before Jesus is turned over to be crucified, Jesus evangelizes Pilate, telling Pilate that he, Jesus, bears witness to the truth. And that everyone who is of the truth listens to the voice of Jesus, to which Pilate replies, the skeptic answer, what is truth? Notice Pilate's inquiry, what is truth? Pilate did not respond to Jesus correctly, for Jesus did not say truth, but the truth. A truth that is exclusive. A truth that claims to be the only truth, with everything else being a fabricated lie. And what is that truth, that definitive truth, this the truth that Jesus is talking about? Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous the totality of God's word is truth, for it endures forever. And what is the word of God? It is his thoughts and action manifest in creation, in the scriptures which are written down for us, and most assuredly in his son, is, who is the perfect image of the invisible God. He, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. We have this totality summed up for us right here. We aren't left guessing. See, Jesus echoes all of this in his earthly ministry, praying the Father would lead you and I, dear saint, into truth with the word of God being truth, John 17. Oh, that we would have this sense and the ability to touch and to hear and to see the truth of God in his creation, in the message of his scriptures and in the reign of his son. We have all of this, a threefold witness of the word right before us. And so often we are blind and deaf and mute about it. Jesus also proclaims himself to be the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. Two of the very concepts we've seen this morning. Yet, this verse of John 14, 6, where that comes from, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, a.k.a. fellowship. It contains a link to 1 John 1, 5-7. It's Jesus' designation as the way. In our text from 1 John, we are told in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How is this linked with Jesus' statement from John 14, 6? All over the Old Testament, 
the metaphor of walking in the way is implemented to mean to live your life as God has told you to live it. Deuteronomy, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, every prophet speaks about this. It's not merely enough to claim to know God, to know He is true, that He is light, that He is true life, and that all this has been revealed in one who has told us to obey the Scriptures, for they are about Him, Luke 24, for even the demons know these basic truths, and at least they shudder. To merely affirm these truths, yet live, yet walk in a way that is in direct contradiction, is to live a lie. John doesn't sugarcoat it. He, he, this is what we do. We are liars. He doesn't tell us that we have a little bit of a problem, that we need some medicine. He says we are liars. That we see paradox. This is the paradox. Darkness with lying, which is sin, untruth. And we see it. And sin brings forth death. And what is death? The opposite of life. But in verse 7 of 1 John 1, we are given the other... ...firm the truth if we walk in the light, if we live in accordance with God's loving standards revealed in His creation, in His scriptures, which are both affirmed by the Word made flesh, His Son, Jesus Christ... All of this is to know that God is true, and what He says is not only best, but actual true truth, as Francis Schaeffer used to say. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, both us, man and man, and God. And us and our fellow believers have fellowship with Him together and individually. This is eternal life. This is fellowship. We keep coming back to that word. So how do we do this? How do we walk in the light? By believing and doing the truth. Walk in the light only after we have been cleansed by the blood of His Son. The end of verse 7. See, the first truth and first step into the light of life is this. Believing that Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, died for your sin and has cleansed you from your unrighteousness. You must believe this. You must believe this. For if you do not, if you do not, there awaits death, the opposite of life, eternal. To do this, to believe in Him, this belief, this faith, this understanding of true truth, you must understand it does not come from you, it comes from God as a gift, Ephesians 2. You must do this. This is stepping into the light. It's Him drawing you into it. Notice that John says in verse 7 here, cleanses, that the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from sin. This is in the active tense, meaning it's an ongoing process. He is continually cleansing you of your sin. Jesus' sacrifice is applied once and for all, Hebrews, for unto the believer, and yet the effect of it is continually working itself out throughout your whole life, sanctifying you. Robert Trail in his classic Puritan work, 
justification vindicated, stated justification being declared right with God, forgiven, and sanctification, the outworking of that being made right, actualized, are given to believer at once, and they cannot be separated. So we're justified once and for all, and we are being justified each day and continuing to conform to Christ, who is our justification. Think of it this way, walking in the light. The blood of Jesus is like a red stage light. Before he calls you into his light, you are at the back of the stage and groping about, like Genesis 19. When he brings you into the light, it takes your eyes some time to adjust. And as they do, you begin to see spots and blemishes upon yourself. And the longer your eyes adjust and the more you walk towards that light, the more you are able to see. And you begin to wipe them off and dust them off, the nastiness. And you know that you can't do it perfect. See, you are in the light of Christ. And this light reveals your shortcomings. And it tells you to see and wipe away at them, knowing he has already done this perfectly for you, and you will have them gone one day. But in the meantime, oh dear believer, in the meantime, he wants you to share in his sufferings, being like him, killing sin, hating it, participating, being in what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Then one day, one day, you hear Christ Jesus, the great stage director, say, lights. And that red light that you've walked towards your whole life seeing with clarity becomes a blinding white light and it incinerates the dirt and the blemish and the smudge and the smears and even the dirt on your back that you cannot see. And behold, you find yourself spot or blemish just as he is. That is your life. That is walking in the light. In this analogy, the time it takes your eyes to adjust is your entire life. And the time it takes you to keep walking towards that light is your entire life. This morning, as we conclude our first question, there's been a lot thrown at us. Two short verses. So let me restate this for you. Do you claim to have fellowship with God while you walk in darkness? Do you claim to have fellowship with God while you walk in darkness? Allow me to facilitate thought concerning how to answer this. Do you know God is true life, true light, good, perfect, free from sin? Do you know this? Do you desire to live in His light do you know this and do you desire this? Do you see that since he is truth and life and light, that what he says is reality and everything else false? Do you say you walk in his ways according to his truth in the light, yet live opposite? Dear listener, let me pause right here and clear something up. Because it is here when we come to this type of thought that many dear solid saints are driven to despair. Saying you have fellowship with God and His people, walking in His way while actually walking in darkness is not, right? Is not struggling with sin 
we have this remnant of perfectionism left over from the second great awakening that says if you're not perfect and holy, you need to get rebaptized 18 times and have that hand raised at the end of every service. This is not what God's word is saying to us. Struggling with sin and hate and walking towards that light. Augustine famously said, and it's not and go, I'd like to have more of that and flop yourself back onto the dark and dirty ground that you're not walking in the light. As we walk in the red light of that dirt, we're called to know until we stand before the Lord in glory. We will struggle with sin, but to struggle with sin and darkness, the opposite of truth in ourselves and in the world is not to condone it. It's not to participate in it. It is not carefree. It is not giving approval to that which is sin, Romans 1.32. See, for as we walk in the light, we are able to expose the darkness, Ephesians 5.11. Because we begin to glow with the light of God, the more we are in it. It's like a sunburn. You emit light, it's so much of a sunburn. With the righteousness shining like the sun in the kingdom of God in your life, Matthew 13.43. If you're examining yourself and saying, I profess to walk in the light, and I desire to walk in the light, but I have this sin, but I hate it, and I struggle with it. I want to be more like Christ. I want to get closer to Him. I want to have that. I want it to be melted away, this sin. I must be in darkness. No, you are not. You are walking in the light. Your eyes are adjusting more and more each day because you see the light of the life of God shining brighter and brighter until fullness of day. That is you, dear believer. Do not let anyone else shake you with that to try to scare you. You are to have bold confidence. Struggle with sin. Hate it. But know that if you see it or someone else sees it, that they are exposing the darkness in your life because they want you and you want to walk into the light of Christ. All the silly movies of don't walk into the light, walk into his light. Today, forevermore, hate that sin, hate it, but make your life one that is a constant wiping off because you want to see him and be like him, sharing in his struggles and looking around and exposing and doing this and and. You, dear believer, be like the moon, which gives forth not its own light, but reflects the light of the sun. That is you, the moon. It rules the night, and it shines overhead in the blackest sky like a beacon of hope, and yet it shines by reflecting a light that's not its own. That is you, dear believer. You go and do likewise. Remember, the moon begins as a dark little sliver it grows, so to speak, into a full moon. That is your life. That is your walk. But if you say that you have fellowship with God and deliberately walk in darkness, you are lying to yourself and those around you. Do you think you can call darkness light and light darkness and trick God, like pull one over on him? You think you can go through the motions, right? 
go to church every Sunday. I do the Bible reading plan, like Pastor Zach said, too. I even download the app, like he told us to, every single week. Who cares? That's a demonic faith going through the motions. Light shines, and it evaporates the darkness. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those. Destruction, damnation on those. Call evil good and good evil. Well, I don't do that. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Who do the opposite and call the things that are true the opposite. The only person you deceive is yourself. To quote John, you lie and do not practice the truth. You know who you are. And may the Spirit of God let me prod you with just a few examples as we close. Do you claim to have fellowship with God? Do you claim to have the light of life in your eyes, seeing both the plainness of creation and the plainness of Scripture, and yet support homosexuality and transgender rights? I don't care if you've been a member or an elder or a deacon or whatever. If that's you, you walk in darkness, calling light darkness, and darkness light. You see a dog as a dog, and a cat as a cat, and they're born male and female. You are just like that, because God has designed creation. You're more than those cats and dogs, don't get me wrong, but you are a part of that design. Do you claim to have fellowship with God, having the light of life in your eyes, that you purposefully disregard reading the scriptures? Yeah, yeah, I go to church every week. That's when I get to hear the word. Psalm 119 repeatedly says this. Psalm 119, your, your word, speaking to God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. How are you walking on the path of light without light in your lamp? How are you doing that? You cannot. You only grope around in the blind darkness of your sin, like the sinners of Sodom and Gomorrah, until God on that great and terrible day judges you, not with brimstone one time from above, with eternal fire. My friend, walk in the light as he is in the light. Do it. Know the truth of God revealed in His Scriptures. Do not claim to have fellowship with Him and fake it because the light exposes the darkness. And if God is light and you as a man are darkness, there's nowhere that you can hide that He will not expose you. Repent of your sins. Come to the light. For those of you who have repented, remember walking in the light takes your eyes adjust the more you walk in it, shining brighter and brighter. If you struggle with sin, the closer that you walk, seeing Christ wanting to be like Him, wanting to shine brighter and brighter until fullness of day. If this is your sin, guess what? Be not of despair, be of joy, completed full joy, because you are walking in the lights, and it's the power of the lights that you walk by, not by your own steps. If there be no darkness in God, then how can we who say we have fellowship with Him, who is light, desire to have darkness? We cannot. 
we must not and we will not. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not come. So do you desire and do you claim to have fellowship with God in his light yet intentionally walk in darkness? Can't. You deceive yourself. But if you claim to have fellowship with God, walking in the light, and are able to see the darkness of your sin in your life, and want to be fully lit up, as they say in my you do, you can rest assured that you do have fellowship with Him truly, because your eyes have been lit up with the cleansing blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Keep walking in that way and radiate the very light that God would use to expose the darkness even more in your life and the life of others, that they would come from the darkness into the glorious light of life. Amen. This is our call. Grace and peace be with you. Let's pray.